Hello, hello, and welcome to the Herb Cymru Africa podcast. My name is Catherine Longer, and I am the host. This is the podcast where we talk about Wales Africa community and the global solidarity sector. It's recorded with support from the FCDO under the Small Charities Challenge Fund, as well as Welsh Government. In particular, this podcast is looking at reframing the narrative project, which has been run with the Sub-Saharan Advisory Panel and Herb Cymru Africa, looking at challenging racism and stereotypical narratives and images and stories um, within the charity sector. Hub Coming Africa does a range of work. We help with fundraising, we give one-to-one advice, we organise network and training events and everything that we do for you, all the support that we give is free. So uh, you can get in touch with us if you have any questions or need any advice. The email address is advice at hubcomeryafrica.org.uk. Okay, but now this podcast. I am delighted to welcome Faith Israel, my colleague from Sub-Saharan Advisory Panel. Hi, can you introduce yourself, please? Hi, I guess I'm Faith Israel. I work as the Diaspora and Inclusion Officer for the Sub-Saharan Advisory Panel, and a lot of my work is also with Hub Cymru Africa. Brilliant. Thank you very much for uh, joining us today, and thank you very much for recording the interview today that follows on from our kind of work together on reframing the narrative. Can you tell us what we can expect? Who did you meet and what can we expect from the podcast today? So I had a chat with Takora, who uh, was one of the judges on the Reframing the Narrative photography competition that we recently ran. And we just had a yeah, really great discussion around consent and looking at consent with regards to images and taking photos for organisations and for people doing work in global solidarity. And um, Takura shared so many, so many points and great things around consent and things to consider. And yeah, we, we had we've had a great chat. Lovely. I'm really looking forward to listening to this. Thank you very much. Let's go. All right. Hi, Takora. Welcome. Thank you for, um, yeah, meeting me today, this morning, this Saturday morning, actually. Very much appreciated. Um, would you like right. to would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, thank you, Faith. So, hi, uh, I'm Takura. I am one of the judges on the photo commission we've been running, uh, entitled "Reframing the Narrative," and that was with Hub Camry and SSAP. Um, the other two judges that are on the panel are Glenn Edwards and Justice Kalebe. It's great to be here with you, Faith, this morning. Thank you. Thank you. So I think we uh, wanted to start with talking maybe about power in terms of power with photography and who's holding the power and how that can change or be given or taken. Um, Yeah, is there uh, anything that you would like to start on this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I I think uh, one of the things that we noticed from uh, the photographs that we received, um, the entries that we got. Um, there's just a whole lot of power dynamics going on in the pictures. Um, 
and more generally speaking, this happens a lot with photographs. So you've got subjects in the photos um, who are a lot of the times um, kind of just subject to whatever the photographer wants to do within those mm-hmm. photographs. Um, so with these photos, um, what we noticed was there's a couple of really good ones uh, where that power is shifted uh, more towards the subject. Uh, and then there's also... Uh, the other side of it where you can you can see that the narrative is strongly controlled by uh, the photographer so the story is kind of tilted one way um okay. so i think um on the wall my general thoughts on this are that uh, photographers when they've got their cameras up to their eye and they're taking a picture of something whatever's in the frame um they hold a lot of power in doing that um mm. and at times I think people can be more cautious. People can be not just cautious, but also conscious of what that looks like and be responsible with that power so that mm-hmm. um, it's not just, you know, whatever I've got, what I think should be within the frame, uh, that's the story. Because as, as you probably know, um, how you tell a story is very important. Um, yeah. It affects how people are going to receive it. It affects how they're also going to be able to see it. Um, so that's that's one thing that um, I think I just thought we should highlight um, that that power dynamic in those photographs uh, when somebody is actually controlling um, what that image looks like. Yeah, yeah and I guess so. I'm kind of curious to know um, how do you think the photographer um, practically can be conscious of this power when they are. Um, taking their photos, what things should they be aware of or can they do? Yeah, so one of one of the things that I think is easy to do is in that moment actually um, actually just being aware of what the story is um, and how you can be as truthful as possible to that story. Um mm-hmm. A lot of times you're confronted with something that is, it's something that you're looking at and it's, it is there. That story looks like, you know, whatever it is that you're seeing there, that's the story in the moment. Um, but sometimes if you're going to just dig a little bit deeper, speak to people, uh, ask certain questions, and if they are open enough to actually tell you these stories, then you might find that there's a lot more to the first scene that you saw yeah. than you thought there was to it. So mm-hmm. just being cautious enough to say, look, I've got, I've got a great image in front of me, yes, um, but maybe uh, before I conclude that this is the entire story, uh, maybe speak to a couple of people. I, this doesn't even have to be something that you're doing before you take the photograph. Sometimes you, you feel like, I've got a photograph in front of me, I want to take it, uh, and you take that photo, um, but it doesn't mean you need to stop there. I have conversations with people um, ask them a bit more about whatever it is that you were involved in at that point in time. Find out if there's more to it and then try and also just include those other facets in probably more photographs and then you probably will have a more truthful and more balanced story at the end of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess, so when you said that, I feel like I imagine, anyway, and please correct me um, if I'm wrong, but I imagine that people could be on 
quite uh, strict time constraints or may only have, you know, an hour to collect their photos and then go and, you know, send this off to, you know, the rest of the team. What would you say to those people who maybe feel like, actually, I don't have enough time to have these conversations. I just want to get my photo and I just want to go. Yeah, you're definitely right. There's a lot of situations like that, especially if what you're doing is uh, more along the lines of documentary work. Um, in such cases, I think there's two things here. Uh, I think as long as someone is aware that they have produced a photograph and whatever photograph that they've produced is about someone else, it's someone else's story, so to speak, um, and you haven't had the time to actually speak to whoever that photograph is of, um, then you can either try and reach out to them after the fact. Mm -hmm. um, that might be very difficult, but I think it's still very much worth it. I mean, if mm -hmm. you're being ethical about your use of those photographs in the aftermath, yeah. then I think it's definitely something that you should actively do. Um, mm -hmm. And in the event that you can't, um, and you can't get permission to use that photograph, then my best recommendation is actually, no matter how great the photograph is, don't use it. Um, because at the end of the day, this is somebody else's life that you're getting to paint a certain way. Um, mm. And uh, like I was saying before, people need to be responsible with that power, that ability to actually use photographs in a certain way to tell a certain story. Um, yeah. But those people are not they're subjects in photographs, but they're not subject to you. So beyond mm. that photograph, those people have got lives, they've got livelihoods, you know, and um, as best as you can, um, it's better not to tamper with that, um, but also just to protect the dignity of, especially yeah. more vulnerable situations of those people. So if you can't mm. get the permission for it, my own recommendation is, it might be a great photo, yes, but actually don't use it because you haven't got permission to actually go on and use it. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like in that you kind of touched on something that I think we've spoken about previously, um, which is consent and how things might be legal or allowed, but that um, balance of thinking about, okay, what are the ethics around this? How can you be considerate as a photographer, even though um, this may be uh, there may be guidance that says this is fine or there may be no guidance um i feel like um there's such a layered nature to consent i think especially in the um in our competition that we've had we've seen you know discussions around child child protection for example um i don't know if you've got anything on to say on that area of power and consent as well Yes, absolutely. And those are very, very important things that you're highlighting there. Uh, consent um, is a very, very big um, thing when it comes to documentary style photographs or photojournalism. Um, I think consent is, is really about um, taking consideration of as much facets of your work as possible, um, not just your work in isolation from what it is about, but also how it goes on to affect the, the subjects of your photographs. So I think at the basis of it, um, 
it is a yes or no thing um, when you just when you tear everything down and come to what's basically consent. But I think it's it's more than just the yes is mm-hmm. is the reasons behind that, um, and also the no's very equally. Um, why someone might say, "I don't I don't want you to use this photograph," and it's those considerations mm-hmm. that I think photographers themselves need to have uh, when they are approaching subjects. It, it happens that sometimes you get a great photo and uh, you think it needs to be out there uh, and you approach the subject of the photo and they say no. Um, and I think photographers should always walk away from the situation feeling that they have done what they were supposed to do. Um, mm-hmm. Beyond me as a photographer being supposed to put out the photograph, I think there's the responsibility to actually engage the subject in what I'm doing. So I think, mm. I think that is, that is a core of, of content. Um, you're speaking about the legality and what's allowed, uh, in terms of taking photos. And in some areas, that's a very gray space. And there might not be a lot of clear guidance on it. Um, but what I think is, is always paramount is, is, is always, uh, very important is that before I actually use the photograph for anything. And this is what I'm saying. Sometimes you take a photo and then afterwards you have to consider these things. Um, I think it's always important to actually go back and say, well, if there is no guidance um, and I haven't strictly been told that I can't do this, should I still do it? Um, mm. is, it is it really... Well, I mean, to be honest with you, sometimes it's a simple question like, you know what? Uh, what happens if I actually don't use this photograph? What is the yeah. what is the purpose of this photograph? And am I serving it well by going on to use it despite all the other things which are unseemly about me using that photograph? Mm. So that is always something that yeah, some photographers will have an inner dialogue about and say, well, I think this is important work uh, because it shows the reality of the situations and so forth. But again, that person who is in your photograph, those people who are in your photographs, they are people. They're not just numbers to add to the evidence of what is there, what you could mm. see, you know. Yeah. So I think that that's that's where that falls, um, in terms of getting consent for that. Yeah, I think yeah, it's so so important to remember that, like you've said, you know, these these are people, you know, and in this moment they might be your subject, but they are people with lives, you know, before and after. Uh, the person who's ph- uh, photographing them has come yes. along. And I think, yeah, that's such an important thing to remember. And I guess I was I was wondering, is there, for photographers who may be working in um, areas that don't have uh, laws or just guidance around um, taking photographs, um, what do you, is there a place that, uh, people can go, especially for people who perhaps are slightly newer um, in this field. Is there a is there somewhere that people can go to find like okay, generally these are the standards that we try to abide by. Yeah, there are some. I mean, there's a there are some ethically held standards within the profession itself. Now, I appreciate what you just said there in the end, which is that. For some people who are actually approaching this and are trying to 
get to know what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. I think there's a, there's a lot of documentation putting out on the internet. Um, but more than this, this might not be uh, precisely what you're asking me, but I think it is important because I think more than what uh, you've got on paper, which says you're allowed to do, I think the more important thing is the context specific consideration of what is there on the ground. And we've spoken before about engaging the actual subjects to say, like, yeah. I, I feel like I want to use this for A, B, C, D, right? A, speaking explicitly about that, making sure that people understand exactly what you intend to use your photographs for, mm. I think that will always trump any document that you're introduced to. Uh, yeah. Because sometimes yeah. you, you actually, you will come across uh, ethical standards uh, which are not necessarily aligned to the context that you're actually working in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it means totally different things for those people. So mm-hmm. uh, there's definitely there are no broad guidances on what can you and what can't you do with uh, photographs or while you're taking photos, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that there are things that like we're socially always um, kind of obligated to observe. Um, yeah. And I think those are more powerful pillars for us to to like point to, to say, okay, look, um, I want to clearly tell a story, um, but it is a story of other people. And mm-hmm. is it fair if I actually go on to tell that story without even speaking to them? Mm-hmm. How, how am I sure that I know all the things that pertain to the story if I'm just going to use a, a photograph? So such questions, I think they, they're definitely going to help um, any standards that somebody might be able to come across. And like I said, there's a lot of these, uh, a lot of uh, documentation on ethics in uh, photojournalism and so forth that people can actually look up. Um, but my, my, my sense is that you know, the, the biggest uh, pillar that you can hold on to is uh, just being conscious of, uh, of the possible impact of your work and then taking the necessary steps to actually engage the people that you're photographing before you then go on to to use those photos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's um, so true. And I feel like that's actually quite a, well, at least to me, it sounds like such a good rule of thumb um, in terms of being very explicit um, about what you want to use that photo for. You know, making sure that whilst, you know, you might be taking it in one context, if you have plans to use it in a different way, that whoever is in that photo knows that and is consenting to that as well, not just their photo being taken. Yeah. I guess also this is something that we have discussed um, throughout this um, competition, which is around the issue of child protection, where, you know, it might be somebody... Um, below like a legal age that can provide their consent um how do you think then it differs uh when we're talking now about young children children are very very um unique um because they're very vulnerable um and because they're very vulnerable it's very important that when you are taking images of them um, you get explicit consent from the right people to actually give that consent. Um, yeah. I th- I think with especially some of the images that you know, you're referring to in the competition, um, 
you're thinking about well this child in the future if they're looking at this image themselves um how are they gonna feel about that image which is from really a human dignifying point of view um mm. but also um across the board i just think that if you if you're gonna take a photo of a child then you need to have permission for it from their legal guide gu- guardian or uh their parents um mm-hmm. and th- that to me is just again going back to what we're talking about in terms of ethical practice um mm. not just not putting yourself in a position where you can take advantage of the power dynamic between you and the child right mm. i mean if it's an yeah. adult sometimes you you come into a, a a place and you put up your camera and that person immediately says no i don't want to i don't want you to take a photo of me right mm-hmm. um yeah so that's more frequent with adults but with children now because the very much probably going to be fearful um in terms of speaking up for themselves um mm. but also just because you know it's, it's a camera and it's a uh, is this machine and you're there doing whatever it is you're doing uh they might not even see you mm. in that mm. whole process yeah so all of those vulnerabilities are some are the things that i think need to play into the photographer's own responsibility to say well yeah this child is part of this photograph part of this story um but also they need to be protected within that story and approaching yeah. the right people to then give you the permission or deny you the permission um mm when it comes to you actually being able to use those photographs. Hmm. I guess as well in on the same kind of thread. Um what about future consent in terms of maybe potentially withdrawing consent after the fact or after the image has been taken? Yes, so th- this is <laughs> this is probably one of the more difficult things. Yeah. Um possibly because it, it is it's very very specific to the scenarios that this can happen in um you do have cases where after people have given their consent initially they decide to withdraw that consent and say actually um for one reason or another i don't want this to be out there anymore and in certain places that right is self-guided by certain laws right and i can I mean I can I can decide today that I don't want my data to be uh, still yeah, used yeah. for something and then yeah so in some cases that is there in other cases it's not um and I think this this is one of those places where dialogue with photographers is necessary from a general understanding point of view uh, I mean <laughs> if there's any such thing as one human being to another I think this is one of those places where it would be very very useful because yeah, yeah. at the end of the day the consideration is that in the first place when i gave you the consent we were in a specific context and possibly that context is no longer there now i'm mm. coming back to a photographer asking them to withdraw use of that photograph for whatever reason mm-hmm. but really i am asking um and in such a case my view has always been that you know whoever is asking is kind of like they kind of like doing the reverse of what the photographer did in the first place now they are yeah, asking for yeah. for something to be done right um and you can get a no from the photographer sometimes you will get a no sometimes there's just no way in which you can actually withdraw that consent mm-hmm. but from the photographer's point of view especially 
ones that are working in more vulnerable situations, etc., etc. I think that for me, that is what ethics is about. It's about going beyond yeah. the the legal or whatever is on paper that you had gotten initially. Mm-hmm. I think there has to be like I've just been reiterating the whole time, um, just the consideration of people's livelihoods um, mm-hmm. and just thinking, well, you know what? Maybe I use this photograph to tell a certain story at a specific time, and that was very important then. And we did that, right? Um, but at this point in time, is it worth actually, you know, this drift now between me and the then subject of the photo? Um, because that, that, what it, that is essentially what it becomes then. It becomes, a, again, a different form of power struggle between mm. the photographer and the subject of the photo just in future. So I, I just, I, I strongly feel that in such cases where it is yeah, after, way after somebody has given their initial consent, then um, the photographer has to do a lot more considering, probably yeah. more than they did initially. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, that's um, very true, very true. And I guess we've spoken already about like explicit consent and really being. Um, open about what it is you're using the photo for. I guess my mind is now going to perhaps some of the unintentional harms that can be caused when the consent isn't informed. Um, Like you said, you know, if you strip it back, it is just a yes or no. But in reality, there are so many layers to this. And so I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious about that informed element in consent in terms of like what does that actually mean yes so informed consent uh to me at least very much uh relates to being specific being very specific about intended uses uh being very specific about intended audiences uh, being very specific also about intended times of usage. Um, mm. So I think, you know, one of the things that usually happens is that um, someone asks for permission to take a photo, right? And someone says, yeah, sure, go on. You can take a photograph, right? Um, without necessarily explaining what you want to use the photo for. Uh, when you want to use the photo, for how long you want to use the photo. Um, but then the photographer says, I got permission to take the photo. But, I mean, if you're looking at the situation, are you being fair to the person who said, yes, you can take a photo of me? Mm. Because me saying yes in that moment wasn't really informed. It was on the fly, on the go. You pushed me uh, and, you know, in my very welcoming sense, I said, yes, I'd like that's that's very that's very okay with me. You can take a photograph, but then now you're going on to actually do the exact opposite of the nature of the relationship that we had before. So I think uh, informed consent, whether it is written or it is uh, verbal, uh, whatever the case is, and and with with verbal cases, uh, mind you, I, I think I've mentioned this to you before. I think it is just good if. It, um, the photographer or whoever is responsible for getting that consent actually has a, a recording or something of that mm-hmm. going on. Um, yeah. But it needs to, it, it has to be, like we're saying, it has to be informed consent. All of those things 
the, the uses and the timelines for use, I think they need to be very, very clear. The audiences, they need to be very, very clear to the subjects of the photographs to say that this is, this is the situation. This is all mm -hmm. of the things that are pertaining to future use of this photograph. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then getting someone to say yes to you, which is a bit daunting because I, I think to be fair, uh, every time you do that, you just run the risk of the person realizing so, so many more things and then yeah. saying no. <laughs> and I think this is why photographers tend to be like, you know, I think, uh, let me just say that I, I would like to take a photo of them and then <laughs> just say a couple of things and then they move yeah. away from it. Yeah. But it is, it's, it's very necessary to at least be very frank on if you already know what that intended yeah. use is going to be. If you don't know, when you do know what you're going to be using that photo for, please mm -hmm. just go back. Uh, whatever ways in which you can, whether it's mm. going to be messaging them, giving them a call, reaching out to them through some dead party and so forth. But as long as there's just a clear record of you communicating with the people that you want to uh, go and to make use of that photograph, I think that works well. Um, no, that's, um, yeah, it's good to be able to break these things down. I think sometimes we can, you know, just say buzzwords like informed consent and just leave it at that without actually really talking about what that looks like. So it's really good to actually hear that from you. Yeah, absolutely, um, yes. Um, so now I'm just thinking how, you know, a big part of the work we do at Hub Cymru Africa is around narratives and reframing the narratives. And so I think I'd like to um, talk a little bit about that as well in terms of, you know, when a photographer is, you know, going into a space and they're taking pictures, maybe it's for their own organisation or personal use or a competition, you know, even like ours. Um, I think it would be great to talk more about, like, how the photographer controls the narrative um, in terms of how they take the photo and, you know, yeah. then it's just up to them, really. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is just this great sense of power that comes with being yeah. able to be the one who takes the photograph. Uh, narratives are a very, a very topical issue now, um, for one reason or another. Um, but the the sense of who's a hero in a story, because these are stories that we're telling at the end of the day, the sense of who's a hero, um, I think tends to be, unfortunately, because of the nature of photography, tends to be um, in the hands of the photographer. Um, mm. I, I think it's, it's, it's like this very, very proverb, which I've come across everywhere now, um, says that until a, a lion lens to, to write its own story, the story will always glorify the answer. Um, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I think it is, it, is, it is a lot like that, partially just given the nature of photography. I've, I take the photo, I decide where it's going to go, I decide how it's going to be consumed in, the, in a lot of cases. Um, and in a lot of times as well, you usually don't have the subject there in those places where the photograph is being shown. But you usually have the photographer there, right? So even then, they're still kind of controlling what the story is yeah. and so forth. Yeah. Um, so I, I think uh, this, uh, we've been talking about the like, responsibilities of the photographer, and this is one of them. Um, just being as honest as you can about the photographs, right? Mm. Um, trying not to be biased, um, first of all, to your own objectives with the photograph. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to be 
we we say truthful uh, to the situation, um, but also the the wider story around it, as we mentioned before. Um, mm-hmm. I the, na- I think narratives on the whole are they're very difficult to to control. Um, yeah. And this yeah. is why you, you can easily change them on any one story. Um, if, I mean, if you're trying hard enough. Uh, and because they're not fixed things, um, a lot of times with photographs, you, you just, you, you, this is how you end up with like problematic photographs that people maybe years later then go on to say, oh, that wasn't so good, even though it was an interesting photo when it was taken. And it wins awards, right? Um, mm. But then later on, people are looking at that situation and they're saying, Times have changed, and that probably isn't so great now. Yeah. And that happens a lot. Um, like a photograph just is, is, is a snapshot in time, right? But time moves on. Um, mm. So I think that if, as long as the photographers involved are very aware that uh, that narrative that they are telling or that they intend to tell is not a fixed thing, it helps as well. Because even in future, if then you know you come across a situation where one of the photos that you took or some of your work is uh, definitely against what standards are then uh, then you always know that you know from the very get-go i had an open mind about how this could be received Um, but your chances of that happening are just much less if to begin with you try to tell the story from the other person's point of view instead Mm. of your own yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that, that it's just one of the ways in which you can try to safeguard. There's, it, there's definitely not going to be any, uh, <laughs> any solid means which you can use to just safeguard yourself from what the future looks like. But just yeah, trying yeah. as much as possible to make sure that the story is actually from the other person's point of view. And they can mm-hmm. even guide you. I've been in situations where um, people that I was with, uh, communities that I was in, um, they ended up actually doing a little bit of the photography themselves, um, but also helping me to see things in a slightly different way. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is prolonged. I'm not just talking about maybe like a single day, and I appreciate people won't always have that. But that, that prolonged communication with people, mm-hmm. being in those communities, uh, and for a lot of the times, actually just being an observer instead of someone who's trying to capture whatever it is that they see, um, and that observation is also not just passive where I'm sitting back and I'm looking, but actively participating in what people are doing, getting a sense mm. of what that means to people. Um, mm. And then maybe, uh, maybe beginning to have a conversation around documenting that work. It usually helps. Um, and you will get people who will probably actually help you a lot more than you thought they could have initially um, yeah. if you hadn't done that. So, so I think those, those are, those are some things that, you know, when it comes to like narratives and just safeguarding uh, the the truthfulness or just the honesty of the narrative mm-hmm. photographers can do. Uh, yeah. Try not to just be superficial. Try not to get the first image and then let that be the whole story. Uh, try and speak to people. Try and engage them uh, even before you take a photograph if you can. Um, mm. And just, yeah, just try and shy away from your own biases, your own specific objectives. Um mm when it comes to your work. Yeah, no, that's um, a great set of tips there um, for any photographers that might be listening and, you know, even those of us who just like to take photos, you know, and aren't yeah. uh, professionals. <laughs> Everybody's um, armed with a phone right now, so... Honestly, honestly, <laughs> iPhones yeah. revolutionise this. 
Absolutely, um, yeah. And I guess so. You've spoken a lot. It seems like just about speaking to people in terms of the people that you might be photographing before you even start taking their photos um, and making sure that, you know, you are being truthful to whatever the narrative that is there and being truthful to that. I guess I'm also thinking now about once the photographer has gone away and perhaps, you know, they are now back in the office and they're sitting with the comms uh, team and, you know, they're trying to put something together. Um, I think we spoke previously about biases and, you know, how sometimes you can bring your own biases into that space. Um, And I think you were saying how um, it's really important to avoid that I'm that singular um, look at things. Is there... Would you like to say something more about that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, that That is, I think, um, definitely in, in line with my, my own responsibilities as a photographer or um, keeping myself accountable. So mm. uh, what you're referring to there usually happens in contexts where, you know, a photographer, generally speaking, has visited a place and has taken photographs of people and then has had to go away. And now they're doing work on the photographs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, one of the things that can happen there quite easily is that the cultures are very drastically different. Um, yes. And when I'm now sitting away from that context and I'm deciding what to do with all of this work that I've put together, um, I can miss out on a lot of very sensitive things culturally um, just because, first of all, I'm probably not even from the place that I was photographing, right? Um, mm-hmm. So th- it's not a limitation. It's not to say, well, if you're not from the place, then you shouldn't be taking photographs or things of that nature. Um, but how do you then become accountable, um, not just to the people who you took the photograph of, um, but also uh, in general, like whatever the story is that you're telling, um, it's going to be far-reaching. So there has to be some sense of accountability in terms of what that story actually is. Um, mm. And one of the easy ways I think that people can just, as, as people would say, keep themselves in check is actually by having a community of other people, uh, probably privately in this regard because we are talking about culturally sensitive issues, um, but people who are probably very different from yourself. People will probably see things quite differently from how you're seeing them. People mm. who you, you, you know that they're from different cultures from yourself and just consulting to say, look, I've got this body of work. Uh, my intention is A, B, C, D. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah. A- and having an honest conversation about that, just to just to have an, just to have an open look about the whole affair. Um, and while entirely appreciating that, whoever those people are, um, they don't know it all. They're mm. giving you their insight, but they don't have a final word. Um, yeah. And as we've said. The most preferable thing is actually to have that conversation with, first of all, the people who you're photographing. And then these people can help that because in your now different context, there's a lot more probably that they can see that might go wrong with you using certain photographs um, Mm -hmm. that probably even the subjects might not have been able to actually foresee. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's, 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 it's that sense of 
having a community around you which can yeah. actually alert you to certain things that you might not be um, immediately aware of. Yeah. It can definitely, definitely um, safeguard whatever it is that you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. When you were talking, it was actually making me think about, you know, how um, in the work we do uh, at SSAP and HCA and um, how we try and engage diaspora groups and bring people together for yeah. exactly what you're talking about so that, you know, you can actually speak to people who are familiar with maybe the context that you are working in but like you said might not know everything but can still just assist you to show you okay that was maybe something that was actually quite significant that didn't look particularly important to you or maybe that's something to not show because in this particular culture that might um, be a bit taboo and you know that might not be respectful so I think what you said about community is so 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 important um yeah. and I feel like um yeah this is this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for speaking with me. I don't know if you've got any um last word or last tip that you would like to share. Uh no, probably not last words, but I, I, likewise this has been really great. Um and on the whole, the whole competition has been really great. Um yeah. my sincere hope is that people who are going to be either participating or whatever is to follow from the competition, um, they, you know, they get, they get a, uh, a very informed sense of what is um, not just acceptable, but what's mm-hmm. actually great. Um, well, yeah. what are some examples of photographs that can do a lot of the things that we want them to do, uh, but they are shown a little bit differently. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's my hope when it comes to this idea of changing the narrative um so so uh, it's not just the narrative of of the subjects but also the narratives of the people who are actually doing this work it is very important work um it matters how you do it it really matters how you do it yeah Mm -hmm. so um, that's that's my genuine hope for when people do have a look at some of these uh photographs that we've put together from the competition Wow, thank you, Faith, for bringing us that um, interview. It was fantastic. Did you enjoy doing the interview? It was good. It was such an insightful conversation. I feel like there were just so many points that we touched, so many things that I'm I'm personally going to think about going forward, um, even in my own role around consent. Yeah, it was a, it's a great, great discussion we had. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, Takura is fantastic, isn't he? He's so eloquent in how he puts his point across. Um, what was your biggest takeaway, do you think? I think for me, my biggest takeaway is, you know, planning ahead I think that, like I said, the conversation touched on so many different points that I think in order to really um, think about consent and ensure that you are covering these many bases, I think it's important for people, for organisations to plan ahead, you know, whether that's doing your research or speaking to the people prior. I think really just making sure that before you go into um, a situation or project that you've really had to think through about consent and about how you will navigate it. 
Um, and I also think as well, it's uh, really important to think about the power dynamics in consent as well. Um, even though you can ask someone for consent, um, the power dynamics will typically be unbalanced. And so I think it's important for the people with the most power to ensure that they are um, asking whoever it is or whether it's a group, asking them in a manner that ensures that they know there will be no repercussions if they say no. They will be able to rescind um, consent in future if they wanted to. Um, I think ensuring that the power dynamics are also addressed is really important. I think those are my biggest takeaways personally. Um, what were yours, Kath? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got to agree with you about the the, the time it takes. I think that's what's really come, come out of this project. And the work that we've been doing on reframing the narrative is it takes time to stop and, and re- reflect and think, doesn't it? So I, I totally agree with you about that. Um, for me, I, I really enjoyed Takura talking about being con- conscious of the potential impacts of a picture. Um, and talking about the responsibility of the photographer to think that through. And it made me think about how it's not only the responsibility of the photographer, particularly in, in our work and in the Wales Africa community, it's also thinking about, well, what's the responsibility of the charity or the group? So, um, you know, uh, yeah, as a charity, we need to think about the images that we're using and what stories they tell. Um, and so I think, I guess, as a starting point, it would be, being very clear with the photographer about your principles as an organisation and your procedures. So if you've done all this work into putting in clear guidance around informed consent, then making sure that your photographer is on board with that. Um, And it might be a volunteer that you're working with. It might be one of your volunteers or one of your trustees that's doing the photography. Um, And if that's the case, then making sure that, that they're, you know, they're fully aware and on board and that there's somebody um, in country that can speak in the language that's appropriate for the community then that you're working with and the people in there so that the con- the consent is informed in that there isn't any language barriers or the potential barriers to getting that. Um, and then also kind of, I don't know, we always take photos. If we're on trips, we always take photos. Um, and sometimes volunteers like to share those images on social media. And so the tr- the your thinking around informed consent and your thinking around dignity and respect in photography and storytelling isn't just limited to whoever does the cons and whoever does the 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 fundraising pacts. It's um, it's everybody. It's all the volunteers. It's anybody who could be associated with your with your work or linked with the community and helping them to understand. Okay, so these are our principles and these are why and this is the potential harm and this is what we're trying to avoid um you know you don't want somebody you don't want to do all of this work and then somebody put an inappropriate photo on photo on Twitter, on facebook or something um and then yeah i mean that brings us on to kind of how photographs capture stories Takora talks about how the context of a moment that is captured in a photograph how that can change over time and uh, i think that his advice is that there are potential problems that those potential problems with how the context of a story changes over time you can minimize that if you're cognizant of the story that you are trying to tell and the story that the community is trying to tell and trying to make sure that the images tell the story 
that the person within the story wants to tell about themselves and is comfortable what that tells says about them and their community um so yeah um lots of conversations basically it just comes down to conversations talk to the people in your images talk to your partners talk about what it is you want to say and if it's challenge if it's the right way to say it and the right thing to say really so um yeah oh i really enjoyed that um faith thank you so much um Thanks for all the work that you've done on this and um, for taking the time to meet Takura. Um, it's a wrap. That's the end of our podcast. I want to thank Takura for um, giving us his time and for sharing his experiences. And um, I also want to take this opportunity to thank everyone who submitted their images. So this podcast is all about the the reframing the narrative and the photography competition that we had about that uh, to do with that. So thank you to everybody who submitted their images. Thank you to the judges for their time and their expertise. And of course, congratulations to the winning photographs. Thanks everyone. Bye.